Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Wherever you are in the world, you are tuning into The O Show, and I am your host, Oren Makari. The O Show is a no-nonsense podcast where I aim to bring you the best advice on training, mindset, and nutrition to supercharge your efforts in the gym, the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. Let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of The O Show and today we have a very special guest on who is a WBFF pro. We have Alicia Gowans on. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Hello everybody. Thank you for having me. I know it's been a couple of days in the making, but I'm, I'm super pumped to be on here. Yeah, we were meant to record this on Saturday, but Ali was in the mountains getting away for a weekend and the signal wasn't the best. So we moved it to today because she was actually pretty excited about the questions that I'd done up, which... As a new <laughs> podcast makes me very, very excited. It shows that I'm on the right track with everything. And we've got, got superstars really on the podcast already. So it goes to show that we're doing something good, right? Absolutely. And I think, look, if you can keep it fresh and keep it interesting, not ask the same old boring stuff, then, you know, you're going to be putting out something new. Oh, we, got, we, got, we do have a few in here that people won't have heard before. So um, I'm excited to get to that. I'm excited to get to that, mate. So... We always start this with a rapid fire round. Um, so okay. it's just silly shit, really. So how old are you? I know you shouldn't really ask a lady that, but 38. Okay. And what's your 25. favorite? <laughs> oh, 25. Yeah, I would have hey, taken that. I still look 27, so I'm okay with this, all right? That's it. 100%, as long as as long as you know you look 27, that's fine. The age is just a number, right? <laughs> um, what's your favorite color? Pink, lame, I know, but fuck, man, what do I do? It's pink. Listen, just <laughs> go with it. If it's a stereotype, we'll just go with it, right? <laughs> like, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs, which is better? Dogs, I've got two. They're named after chocolates. And you know what's funny about this? I'm not even a fucking chocolate eater. But anyway, they're named after chocolates. I've got a mini Dash Hound. He's a toy. Uh, Cadbury. And I've got a toy mini Cavoodle Crunchy. Super cute. Oh, nice. Cute names, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, really cool names. I like those. I like those. It's funny that you don't need chocolate, though. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> um, how do you drink your coffee? Cappuccino, lactose-free with a brownie every single morning. With a brownie every, every morning. <laughs> All the way through prep, too. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You're prepping at the minute and you still get that brownie yeah. in, right? Yeah, man. I keep that shit in right up until like maybe two weeks out. I mean, prepping doesn't mean you have to die yeah that's true that's true 100%. Oh, yeah. I, still, I still allow the little things you like otherwise i'd slip my throat before i even got to the grinding phase you know exactly and there we go we have a guy's a wbff pro who <laughs> still eats brownies right up the stage so that's that's what we want to hear on this shit right okay ali what's your best body part Oh, it doesn't shit, have man. to be a muscle um, group it could probably, be something about you either i'm probably most known for my wheels Yep. So probably most known on stage for, for legs and glutes, I would say. Yep. Nice. And, you know, look, I, I, they're not without, they haven't, they've definitely had their periods where they've been an asset that's probably um, diminished a little bit because of my back injury and just through phases of rehabilitation where I couldn't, I couldn't grow them as well as I, I normally could. But I'm an ex-ballerina, so that, it's kind of a given, right? Like people yeah, kind of yeah. go, well, far out of being, being on them for a while. Yeah, you know? yeah, for... <laughs> for a while. Since <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, that'd have to probably be my, that'd, that'd be my biggest asset. On a yeah. stage, I think it's probably what, that's how I win. Yeah, far, far, 
for and then what's your favorite gym lift is it going to be like a squat or a hip thrust or something with that or no, no, i'm not a hip thrust girl i can't stand that shit yeah. actually it's actually my favorite exercise okay, like I'm, I'm not a booty babe yeah. um like, don't get me wrong they're they're great and they're important and i definitely do them i just don't love them yeah they're not my favorite um no i'm a deadlift girl i freaking love deadlifts. Oh, yeah. I'm, always, I'm always on your story it's my favorite is my favorite lift, but it's not the one I spend the most time on because the one I actually need the most time on because of my injury and just rehabilitating back into being able to load is the squat. So I spend most of my time in the squat. It's definitely paid off though. Super pumped for this year's physique. I can already see the changes as a result of being able to vertically load again. And in particular, start working strength-based compounds, which I haven't been able to do for five years. So this is epic. I'm so excited to see what I'm peeling away the layers of. Yeah, yeah, nice. nice. It'll be exciting. Yeah, and speaking of your strength lifts, people might be interested in what a pro lift. So what's your top three lifts? Well, let's go squat and deadlift. What's your... If we went pre-back break, I was doing... Um, and you got to remember, relative to size. So back yeah. then, I would have been a 2-kilo chihuahua ringing wet. So I've got <laughs> 10 kilos now, almost 10. Um, I was doing, at the time, 120-kilo dead. I was doing 110-kilo squats. Yes. And that, they weren't even at my max. So I wasn't even doing um, one max reps yet. I was doing sort of threes and fives at those weights nice. before my injury. So quite good, right? But in my recent, which was my very first ever powerlifting comp that I did, which is post my back break, and I've only been lifting in the compounds in the last five months. I think it wasn't quite even six months of a total block where I was actually under load progressively building for strength before I got on my powerlifting podium. My actual lift for the day was 115 squat, um, a 67 and a half kilo bench, and a 110 or 112 and a half kilo deadlift. And the deadlift was the last thing I completely crapped out my ass on the last lift. I was like, I was so tired. I was so out. My central nervous system was like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm a bro. I'm like, my whole body is going, well, I don't know if we were built for this. We're out. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. drop my lift and I just had nothing left in the tank. But, um, but having said that though, too, the week before my actual powerlifting comp, anyone that's followed my journey that's watching this that might know an inch about me knows that um, prior to this last year when I was working with Ben Pekowski and Dr. Jordan Shello in all of my rehabilitation back to being able to get underneath a barbell again, before those two boys, I would literally sneeze or cough. I'd hyperventilate about getting sick. I'd freak the fuck out because I'd sneeze or cough and I'd blow a disc out my back every single time without fail. And I would be out of the count. Like my last um, world title before the one just gone to so the one in Vegas in 2018, I had three epidural cortisone injections into my back, into the facet disc, nerve root, and into the actual uh, like surrounding tissue the day before I flew out for my comp. Oh, shit. It was intense, man. So that's what I had gone from with no ability to put any load on my back or deadlift at all into then being able to load again. So I'd only been doing it for five months. So I'm super happy with what we got to being yeah. able to get those numbers. But I mean, I'm just getting started. Like as soon as I finish this show, I'm getting off and I'm starting to prep for my next powerlifting comp. I've got the bug. I love it. Good. I love feeling strong. I love building, you know, back into being able to progress again you know in these compound movements that i got told from every medical specialist after my initial injury that i'd never be able to do again and i'm like i'm not the girl that sits down and takes no for an answer I'm like yeah. well we'll see yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. i did so let's well, get I, a little well, bit into that what what did you have to do to rehab that to that extent oh, bro, that the, first, the first four years was just <sighs> 
it was me basically going, I'm not going to not win and I'm not going to not get on a stage no matter what you tell me I can't do. So I'm going to find a way around it. So I went around it, over it, under it, every way, but freaking through it. Yep. And I literally for the first two titles, um, blood flow restriction trained, um, bear, all, all machine-based movements. I then progressively got to the point where I could start to structurally load, um, you know, I so did some isometric work and some isolated work and did a lot of... Um, a lot of rehabilitation focused stuff and a lot of dumbbell and kettlebell work, not necessarily getting underneath any barbells or lifting anything substantial until I got to Jordan and Ben. And then I started being able to progressively load and take my body back under, you know, under weight. Um, so it's been a journey and it's been one where, and I was saying this on Charlie's podcast last the week before last there's not been there's not been a traditional approach to me, my physique development, or even my my wins and my titles in the last five years because you couldn't. There was yeah. I'm I'm in this weird anomaly with this really foreign terrain of issues in my biomechanics that meant that you know you were constantly working around something, you know, putting something back together, like yeah. proactively trying to fix an area. Like it was a shit, like a quite literal shit show. Right. <laughs> and all of my coaching team was so awesome because like, I mean, imagine getting me every day. <laughs> the good thing about it, is I got a great energy and I got, a, a, I've got this annoying fucking optimistic outlook on life. So it doesn't matter what's going on with me. I was in chronic pain, couldn't even put my shoes and socks on. I was getting undressed every day for nearly three years like it was crazy i was i was in a bad way but you wouldn't have known because i didn't show it on my socials i talked about it i shared my journey you know quite openly but until i talk like this you don't really understand like how bad it actually was for me but i'm an annoying optimist so all my team would just be <laughs> they'd look at me sometimes and be like i can't believe that you're walking in and you're like this and yet you go they'd say to me bend over and i'd be like that's it <laughs> they'd be like really? bend over and I'm like, that's actually it. Like yeah, yeah. my chin's on my chest, man. I'm doing good. Like, it was bad. <laughs> so wow. for me to get to the point now of doing this powerlifting comp like I just did, I'm so proud of that and I'm so stoked. And it's not kicking major kick-ass goals on numbers, no. But I'm cool with what I got because I got there and I actually did it. And yeah. on the week which I was leading into before, that we went down that rabbit hole was that the week before my actual comp got and, and took place on the Wednesday night, I got out of bed at 4 a.m. to go to the toilet drinking too much water like a good girl and um got out of bed and at the same time as i swung my legs over i sneezed out of nowhere and i'm like oh shit because as soon as i did it i felt my back go seize up and i just messaged nick who's my coach on the ground here and i just went bro like my back just seized i fucking sneezed and he's like oh man so we worked me we were in a deload week so we just basically worked my treatment and released me as much as i could and i did a whole heap of psychosomatic stuff so just and making sure they didn't have any anchors in my brain to my body connection going we're in trouble we're in trouble you know protect protect it's it's a process i went through for a whole year i did a whole year of psychosomatic healing letting go of emotional suppressed emotional stuff and just basically mind and muscle connection and so anyway went through those things again just kind of went okay ref fresh myself, make sure I'm not hanging on to anything, make sure everything's good. Did all those things in the week leading into the comp. Got to comp day and I was actually nervous. Like I, I haven't been an amateur at something in six years. So I'm like, I got so fucking excited to be an amateur and to be like at the <laughs> bottom of the comp. So I was like, I'm at the bottom, but I want to be at the top. So here we go again from, yeah, from, yeah. from Gartner back through. So I was excited by that, but I was still, I was freaking nervous. So I'm like, I'm nervous because COVID was on, was on. We weren't yet isolated, but I was a bit nervous about being in a social environment, which yeah, is weird. Yeah. The very next day we went into lockdown. So it tells you where we're at, right? So I had these nerves about bugs. Yeah. <laughs> I had 
worried about my back because it was still a little bit frozen. And at the same time, I'm nervous because I'm a fucking amateur doing something that I've never done before, yet I'm a high profile. So everyone in the audience knew who I was. I'm like, I'm going to fall flat on my face. Everyone's going to laugh at me. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Jesus. So you have that internal dialogue in your head going, you know, that don't break a leg when you're about to walk on stage in your fucking heels. Yeah. I'm like, just don't shit yourself. <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything really <laughs> stupid. That can't be cleaned up, man. <laughs> like, like, you know, because whether you like it or not, idiot, you're a public profile. You chose this life. Good on yeah, you. Exactly. So, this is the thoughts go through my head. I'm like, oh god, okay. So every five seconds in between my sets, I'm like, go on, I'm going to the toilet. I'm going to the toilet. Making sure I'm going to the wee because the last thing I want to do because I kept hearing all these horror stories from people about women that just gush on the podium, and I'm like, oh, oh really? my god, I don't want to be one of those. Yeah, no, 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 you're a profile with. <laughs> That's what I mean. Everyone's filming, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh man, that'd be funny. <laughs> I'm thinking about my back. I'm thinking about winging myself. I'm thinking about all yeah. this was the most awkward, funny, but yet fun experience of my life. So I got out of it all and I was like, that was fucking awesome. So do you want to know why I was winning? I was winning the comp the whole way through. Do you want to know how I lost? I went, well, I didn't lose. I went from first to third, which is still awesome for my yeah, first show. Pretty awesome. Do you want to know how I did it? <laughs> Me getting away from myself and being already three million steps ahead. Miss my bloody rack core on my bench, which is my strongest fucking lift, BTW. So I'm like, far out. So I lifted it up and I'm just used to just lift up, drop back, rack, right? And I didn't yeah. wait for the rack core. Oh. So I fucking missed my last and my heaviest lift. I was so cut. Then in my squat, squat to depth, squat to depth, squat to depth, my last squat, which was my heaviest squat, I missed the depth by a half a freaking centimeter. Oh. And they're like, no, nah, you didn't make it. I'm like, no. Nah! I was so limited because if I had picked up that and then the points I missed on my my bench and then if I had just had I've had a few more fucking jelly beans <laughs> yeah. it actually got my last dead up, I would have won. Oh, <laughs> anyway, just now. I learned a lot, I had fun, I kicked goals, I didn't wet myself on the podium winning and I didn't embarrass myself, so that was okay. And then now I'm kind of looking at going, I've had fun, I love it, it's a new sport and I'm I'm loving being an amateur again, which, yeah. you know, you knew. So now it's time to be an amateur that works the way back up the ranks again and I'm going to do this when I'm, when I'm done competing for sure. I, I'm loving it. So yeah, for any nice. girls out there, haven't considered doing it that might be listening to this give it a go it's an absolute cracker like you'll have fun there's there's so much cool shit that comes down to pulling apart a compound movement and mastering it and breaking limiting beliefs in your in your own mind you know and that's for women that don't even have injury issues like i've had you know i had a whole bunch of things i had to mentally work through for this but it was um it was empowering it was liberating i had a lot of fun you know it's such a and it was such a like the guys at the bar in Brisbane, my powerlifting crew are like family to me now. Like, honestly, I walk in there and it's just like, I'm coming home. Like I walk in, I crack jokes, I take over the playlist, I put on my punk music on, like, <laughs> I'm doing all this crazy shit, bossing people around, eating my rice cakes in between my sets because I can because that's not bodybuilding. <laughs> and then been complaining when I got to come back in. I'm like, I'm bodybuilding again. I'm getting back on stage. Shit, what the fuck? I got to count to eight? Who even yeah. knew there was a number after three, man? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to bodybuilding, Ali. Welcome yeah, back. For, for so that's that's a pretty epic story. And the fact that you came from such a debilitating injury where literally a sneeze could literally yeah. screw up your whole oh. body to that is massive for people. Sneeze, 
cough, if I rotated the wrong way, if I, so I couldn't do any forward bending. So literally, Christos put my shoes and socks on every day for three years. I would have some days where I could get out of bed, other days where I couldn't, where I'd literally, if he wasn't with me, I'd roll out of bed, I'd fall on the ground, and I'd pull myself up on the actual side of bed. Like, I couldn't put my shoes and socks on. I'd put a sock on, I'd put my foot up, and then I'd pull the sock like this. Oh, it was fun. I moved into wearing cross-knit flies shoes oh, because yeah. I could just slide my foot in the back and then have to actually do anything up because yeah, I just couldn't yeah. bend. It was really wow. bad. So when I was at my worst, it was horrendous. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. Like, no, nah, it was bad. So, you know, it was a massive thing to overcome it. Definitely have worked through it. Still have the odd hang up and issue here and there that I'm constantly working through, which we obviously saw coming into the, um, you know, the week of the, the powerlifting comp even. But I'm, I'm, you know, I, I know what I've got to do. I know what my triggers are. I know how to deal with it. Um, I'm much better at it now that I've recognized where, you know, stress or, uh, you know, emotional shit can sometimes impact you physically. And I think that that's something that people underestimate. And I mean, I'm an emotionally intelligent motherfucker, but I still had shit. You know, everyone does. You still have levels of baggage. So being able to deal with that and then compartmentalize it, process it, you know, get rid of it and then move forward from it with not hanging on to it. Wow. You know, what a massive it made i got under a bar and squatted 80 kilos straight up you know i broke my wow. back with six so you know wow. so that's what i mean too for anyone that doesn't already know um the reason that a vertical load and a squat's even harder for me to deal with i think um you know mentally and it's the, it's the one i work on the most is purely because that's actually what i did when i broke my back i had a barbell on my back i broke it with a squat yeah so they yeah <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things well, yeah. maybe we don't want to <laughs> definitely but, a head fuck every time you get under the bar there yeah it was it was for a while but now now i'm not now i'm like yeah get, put me back take me off the bench coach yeah yeah bar. no that's pretty cool <laughs> that's pretty cool and like there's lots in there that people can take out whether it's mindset or like the multi-sport component that people can try out but mm -hmm. i think one thing we haven't really touched on yet is you, you've got this big following i think i checked like last week when i asked you to come on it's nearly like half a million followers some people won't know who you are who's on this. So if they don't know, let's talk about your background, how you became a coach and sort of how you get into the WBFF and then where you kind of went from there. Let's, let's get it all well, into one. I think the things that we'll just do a footnote of yep. this because I'm like not 25. So this could take <laughs> <laughs> so let's footnote it. Um, Okay, I was a high-level representatives athlete. I played four different sports for Queensland and Australian level my whole life. Um, they did a sports-based program in my year 11 and 12. It was the very first one of its kind. It was a pioneering thing in, in Australia. It was for a certain gifted um, level of athletic capability. So basically, to get into it and qualify for it, you had to be at a Queensland or Australian level um, representative role. The concept behind it was you went into this sport and it was called excellence in sport. And it basically was the first year of your exercise science and human movement degree. And you were the subject. So for two years, what I had to do was I had to look at and analyze and improve my own performance. And it was across my entire, so we looked, we looked, pulled apart university level um, study on anatomy and physiology, biochemistry, nutrition. So we did it all. By the time I left grade 12, I was you know qualified as a personal trainer. 
and also done my sports nutrition, my, my initial sports nutrition. I've gone on to do three different levels of upskilling since then. I'm currently studying my postgraduate in performance nutrition with the IOPN and going on to do my master's next year. And I'm also doing my competition preparation accreditation program that I've been you know, doing for the last sort of six months. So I'll be one of the very first to ever be qualified in that space as well. Um, but along the way between finishing high school and you know probably about eight years ago when I went into this full time, what I did was I got told like everyone does that, you know, there's no, there's no money in athletics and there's no money in PTing. And at the time that was pretty fucking accurate. Um, and there's no money in anything to do with arts. And you got to remember the sports that I were in were very art based. Right. So, so I couldn't pursue them. Well, not academically to make money. So I did study further in that realm off the sideline over here, but I went on to do um, a dual degree, then my master's and then postgraduate qualifications through Stanford University in America in a totally different realm in um, organizational psychology, psychology, human resources, strategic communication. So I worked a lot in the space of human capital, cognitive behavioral change within organizational structure and with big fortune 500 companies at the same time though i built these little performance facilities and i was still running clients and i was still coaching people for 10 years on the sidelines i had four very successful boutique performance facilities that i never put on my linkedin because i thought that if i did i would discredit my credibility in the boardroom at corporate and the day that i turned around and went fuck this shit i'm out i'm no longer wearing stockings you can shove your pleated three-piece suits <laughs> up your ass into the gym and I'm wearing <laughs> Nikes and ties for the rest of my life was the day that one of my colleagues turned around to me and we're driving along. You know, I was the youngest person. I was a very high profile um, corporate consultant. And I was one of the youngest people in, in any boardroom by about 40 years. And anyway, one of the women I was driving with on this meeting, she turned to me and I'm not an emotional person. Like I might have the ability, I'm highly emotionally intelligent, but I'm not, I'm not one of those, I'm just not a very girly girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm not one of those, oh my God, I'm going to cry at every sign of a movie. And I definitely am not someone that doesn't know how to put people in their place if they give me shit. So I'm not a sensitive soul, right? So this day, my reaction gave me a wake up because I'm not the first person to cry at really anything. It takes quite a bit. And so she stops and we're at the set of lights and all of a sudden she turns and she looks at me and I had four successful businesses on the side that people didn't even know about. I had a very successful consulting firm that I, I haven't worked for anyone since I was 24. I wouldn't even know where to start or how to do that. I don't like boxes. Let's yeah. say that much. And so anyway, she stops and she looks at me and she goes, I have this red light random, right? She goes, Alicia, what's going to be your legacy? And it was the most simple fucking question. But in that moment, I just looked at her and all of a sudden I just started crying and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop these tears. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. I looked at her and I went, excuse me. I went like this. So this is how I'm not emotional I am. I looked at her and I went, excuse me, really sorry. I'm leaking. I don't know why. I can't turn it off. I just need a moment. I got out of the car, walked to the back of the car and I'm like sitting there. I'm like, get your fucking shit together. Like, what is going on? This is what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like cleaning myself up, get back in the car. And I'm like, you know, I'm so sorry. I don't have an answer for you, but I went home that night. And because I am quite evolved, I went and I actually did. I kind of went, right. What's, what's he showing me? Right. There is something clearly going on. There's a disconnect for me spiritually, I think with what I'm doing. And there's a disconnect for me with what I'm feeling good about day to day. Right. And I'm, I'm clearly feeling like I'm making everyone rich in corporate fine. I'm really good at what I do. I knew that. Um, but what am I doing for me? And it just didn't feel good. Didn't feel right. So I kind of, you know, really put a lot of 
introspection on this and within 48 hours, shut my consulting firm down, went full-time into my performance facilities and the rest is history. Full-time coaching from then on, no more a sideline gig. It wasn't my side hustle, became a main plate. It was the steak instead of the fucking yeah, fries. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and like two I'm days later. Yeah, two, within 48 hours. But that shows you what I'm like. Like I'm, I'm very much, I, I will make a decision. It's an informed decision. I'm very, I'm not... Um, I'm not someone that's just sporadic. I'm not someone who's just really, um, you know, impulsive. It was very much an informed decision based upon everything that felt right, resonated with me. And if I'm really honest with you, I'd known for a while, I think in the back of my mind where I was sitting with stuff, I just hadn't really probably maybe connected in and admitted it to myself or brought it maybe to the forefront of what I needed to do. But it was just that the minute that, that my, that my switch is flicked, that's it. I'm done. So flick the switch decision made and, and off I go. And that was it straight, straight into it and didn't even look back. And I haven't done since. Yeah. So the rest is history. You know, I love what wow. I do. I hate the concept of putting a suit on for anyone and I'm not about to go back into that world again. Although I could, and there are days where I miss certain things about it. And, you know, definitely probably the academia based intellectual stimulation. However, my current studies and my passion, I guess, for studying pursuit of further knowledge um, is probably picking up the shortfall there. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm doing some pretty tedious levels of biochemistry at the moment. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, your hydrogen can, hi, uh, fucking hydrogen can kiss my ass some days. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. Like, you just have the nerve to be like, man, and statistics. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I got away from all these years ago. But anyway, we're back at it. Yeah, for <laughs> And I, I joke about it, but, I, but I, I secretly, I love it, you know, so what are you doing <laughs> yeah well you're clearly very passionate about what you do as well like and that shows in the fact that you had this massive successful job that like was the forefront and this was like your side hustle with the gyms and the performance facilities then it's like nah i'm done let's just go all in on this and it's really just snowballed from there to a very successful career and it has. And do you know what's really interesting too? <laughs> because of my job and what i did i didn't have facebook right so yeah. like I didn't create this business based upon, you know, social media or being this massive cult following or like all the likes or I just, I didn't, I got into Insta so late. I'm so late to the game. Like my following should really be about five times that based yeah. upon how long I've game what I've done, but I just didn't. And I'm just, I'm just not about that life. Like I've really struggled to do my content and my media woman's always up my ass about it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I get it. And I just try to be quite uh, authentic about what I'm sharing too, you know? So yeah. I've been working my stories more just so people get more of a feel for actually who and what I'm about. And, you know, <laughs> I just figure may as well be me because then what people are actually buying into when they look to me as a coach is everything else that's actually, you know, unique about me. Cause everyone that's a coach, literally you would hope anyway, has got a certain level of qualification, accreditation and, you know, experience. So pretty much anyone can run a freaking program. Anyone can write a nutrition plan. But for me, coaching is very much like consulting and it's not just about going and taking in an education background and applying it to something and being like, okay, well here, that's it. And I'm the only one that can do it. Cause it's not like that at all. What they're going to buy is my ability to step in and create the change required for the goal to be achieved. And that's a totally different thing. You're dealing with variables such as, you know, behavior, decision-making, limiting beliefs, values, cultural, you know, systemic issues that might be coming through and preventing them from, from taking hold, you know, relationships they might be in and the situations that unfolding, then historical experiences maybe with the sport or with the process or whatever it is. That's a lot more than just a, here's your plan, here's your food, yeah, off you go. Yeah, yeah 100%. It doesn't work like that, right? Yeah. So I'm more consultative meets, I guess, an element of, you know, I'm very much, I'm known for being mindset orientated. I'm known for being, um, you know, I, I, 
I draw upon so much more than just a program and a nutrition background, you know, with all of the scope of the, you know, many qualifications I've got that we sort of touched on very briefly. Um, I really do bring a consultative approach to what I do as a coach. And it is very much about tapping into intrinsic external, um, external probably limitations and challenges, intrinsic motivators, the gap between the two bridging that and it's cognitive behavioral change. So we work in a very different space, I think, my clients and I, to probably perhaps most coaches. It's a very different level of conversation. They get given homework every week that is not about food. So this is where I'm the right coach for a lot of people, but I'm too much for some. Some people aren't ready for me. I can be a bit confronting. That's okay. I'm not for everyone. That's why there's a million coaches because there's one for you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this is what always amazes me about people being, you know, like, oh, there's, aren't you worried about all, you know, all this competition? I'm like, what competition? There's only one me. Like, yeah. and I'm not in competition with them. The, whoever comes to me is coming to me for me. Yeah, exactly. Because I, because I am a certain skill set and I'm a yeah. certain personality and I'm a certain dynamic and they're needing me because I'm going to bring something out of them that someone else can't. So I don't give a shit about what anyone else is doing. I'm me and that's it. And I'm not for everyone. That's all right. Not everyone's an amazing coffee drinker. Some people like tea and that's cool with me. There but, we go. That's a great analogy actually. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Fuck, some people like vodka. That's okay. I'm a wine drinker. So it's a fine, you know what I mean? But go. I'm just saying there's something for everyone, right? So yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't ever look at left or right of me, not yeah. on the stage and definitely not in, in a peer base either. You know, yeah. Well, that kind of leads into another thing I wanted to speak to you about because you do get a little bit of hate off people, certain people in the industry, let's just say, or certain coaches who you've got this WBFF world champ, big profile, like big coaching team. Like you've got a lot of girls who would flock to you because of who you are and the following you've got. And potentially some of it's down to jealousy, potentially some of it's down to just maybe them having an issue or maybe somebody's highlighted an issue in their head and they don't even really know you, right? We already know where this is going and, and the, the key players in said market that do this. Uh, look, you know what? I really actually love that you asked this question because <laughs> one thing that people respect about me is I don't do that shit. I don't agree with it. I don't call anyone out. I've got plenty of ammunition I could be firing if I wanted to put someone in the middle of the Gaza Strip and blow their legs up, trust me. <laughs> but I don't. Because it's just not how I roll. Like, yeah. I couldn't care less. Like, I always look at it like this. In business and in anything where you're succeeding, the minute that you are succeeding, you have a massive target on your back, you're exposed. So that's just a given. So when it happens, you don't, I just don't even look at it like, is anything wrong? I just look at it like that's just, it's the workplace hazard of being an entrepreneur and I think being at the top of your game. And I think that quite often what happens is the people that are actually at the top of their game and doing more than you or successful in their own right, they don't even acknowledge you. They don't even notice you because they're kind of doing what you're doing, which is in your own lane, focused on your clients, focused on your business. You don't have time to see what's going on around you. I couldn't care less what Joe Blow next to me is doing. I don't care less what, you know, Mary Jane on the other side of the freaking planet is doing with her people either. I don't care because I don't have time to care. I've got people to manage and clients to get results for. So I'm worried about me, them, what we're doing and how we're, you know, achieving the goals we're setting out to achieve as a team, as a business and me as an individual and as a coach, right? So where do I have time to worry about what anyone else has to say or do? Exactly. I don't give zero fucks given, bro. Yeah. So it goes like this. When I see this stuff in the marketplace, and it's quite funny because I don't see it. I, I just, I'm, I'm oblivious. I'm such a... <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, when I do see it, because someone will bring it up to me, and usually it's so funny, it's people that don't know me, right? So they've never had an interaction with me. They've never met me. They've never had a conversation with me. If they did nine times out of 10, I bet you they'd walk away going, fuck, she's not that bad. She's actually a pretty cool chick. <laughs> um, I bet you. <laughs> or they'd be like, man, you know what? Old mate down the road in the toilet in the gym the other day when he was saying this and this and this, that's not exactly how she just came across to me now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they'd probably be surprised because most people go off of what they hear alone or what they see and they've got no context even for a screenshot. They've got no context even for a plan or a protocol that was given to a client. And they've also got no context even for what someone else's perception of me might be. And I really don't give a shit what people think of me. You know, I, I really don't. I don't hurt anyone. I'm doing the best that I can in what I do every single day. And I'm continuously trying to improve myself education wise and also personally. So what is wrong with that? You know, nothing. And I don't think yeah. there's any ammunition to fire it because I don't think that there's any ammunition to be fired. But my point is this, I don't look left. I don't look right. And I don't worry about them because the more I focus only on me and improving everything I'm doing day to day, right? What do they have to complain about? Yeah. Because I'm not sitting here bringing other people down. I'm not not improving my skill set, my knowledge, or my business systems, infrastructure, customer service with my team. Because that's all I do. Yeah. So if that's all I do, what what are they what are they throwing ammunition at? There's nothing. Yeah. There is no ammunition. I'm kind of taking away the bullets before they can even load their gun, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's all I'm worried about. All I'm worried about is the end result for the people I'm working with. I couldn't care less what they say or do. But you're right. Nine times out of ten, it comes from people that don't know me, have never met me, couldn't probably probably would walk past me and fall over me. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when my hair's like this and I so yo. That's <laughs> 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 so recognizable. Um, but it's it's always interesting to me. Like one of one of my best friends, and I was chatting with you about this offline, and he will laugh about this because he's a guy that had actually been listening to one of these douchebags um and hadn't not had not actually had any interaction with me and so for two years one of these douchebags was actually linked to a past of mine so my past had issues and you know kind kind of just brought them into this guy so anyway he had all these issues with me and we used to he's on rampages all the time because that's just he's got nothing better to do with his life god save him i feel sorry for that so anyway this new mate of mine used to be mates with him and used to feel you know, the same based upon association. And then he got to know me and was like, and now we, we, we're on the phone together every other day. And he says to me the other day, so if we were at school together, we would have been best mates. And I went, I know me. And I went, and you were hating on me. Like, you, how could you possibly be hating on me? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I actually, He's, he's apologized to me probably three times in the last six months and yeah. has said, you know, like, I, I'm fucking sorry. He goes, I wasn't my best self. I wasn't in the best space in my own life. He goes, in fact, I hated my life. And that's why I just started hating on everyone else. Yeah. He goes, and, but he says to me all the time, like, I'm, I'm really sorry that I, that I did that because when we first sort of started talking, I was like, you know what? You thought there was this massive fucking feud between you and me. I never had anything wrong with you. Like I, I was fine. I yeah, don't know yeah. what you were, you were over there fighting a brick wall yeah, thinking yeah. you were fighting. And he goes, I know he goes, I was in, I was a twat. So th- my point is this, maybe if you're listening to shit coming out of certain coaches mouths, you may be trying to investigate stuff yourself first before you yeah. automatically do it and maybe you look at track record versus accusation maybe also you listen to a few things and get a feel for someone because i think it it says a lot right and if um and if someone is not retaliating or defending themselves it's because they don't have to and i don't have to so i got a couple of funny stories that like you know my close circle only knows but (laughs) that's about (laughs) it 
That's about I'll, it. We'll get Something some of them off her after this. We can't stay on for five minutes and you can tell me some of those stories, huh? I feel more than anything, you know, I feel sorry for I feel sorry for those situations. And and for anyone that's coming into this industry, you know, I don't want you to be disheartened by situations like this. And I and I really want you to be a bit objective. And if you're looking at someone in in the industry that you can respect because you know some of these people that have bad behavior they're actually really quite knowledgeable people which is the sad part right because technically they're strong people but but mentally or maybe personality wise they've got insecurities so it's making them act a certain way yeah. so i would always say to people do this you know um someone might be technically gifted but if their if their character trait is to bring other people down and be a negative promoter and an anarchist maybe just maybe think about hanging out with them because you know what you become like your five closest circle of influences maybe don't go down the anarchist route is all yeah, i would say yeah, yeah. for yeah. longevity in the sport and to continue to excel or succeed i would say maybe you might want to do it in a very positive optimistic manner and not in a negative yeah way. yeah, yeah correct that would be my probably my take-home point and for anyone coming through the industry who maybe gets on the receiving end of this who might be affected by it at first, you know, keep your chin up and don't, don't, you know, I know it's easier said than done, but don't take it on board because you know, what anyone thinks of you is none of your business. It really doesn't matter. You, the, the primary people in your life that really influence you, that you care about, that you would lay down your life for, they're the only people you need to worry about how they feel about you. And I guarantee you, if they're with you and around you, it's because they think you're an epic fucking human. Yeah. So who cares what some of that Joe blow down the road saying, just because he's a bit jealous. So yeah, don't take it on board. Keep resilience about you understand what you bring to the table in your sport in your life in your in your maybe in your workplace in your team in your federation whatever whatever it is that you know you're doing and just own your jam man don't apologize for who you are don't try to be anything you're not be unapologetically you and be unapologetically free and let whatever anyone else thinks of you roll off your back because as long as the people around you that care about you think you're epic that's all that matters and secondly if you're not re retaliating and responding in a way or doing what they do in return, everyone else is going to look at you and be like, what's wrong with this idiot? Like, yeah, 100%. Like, what are they doing? Like, what is this tool's problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what he's going on about, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. And uh, there's a lot that people can take out of that in terms of um, how to deal with those scenarios there's tons of nuggets in there guys so if this is something that's affecting you just hit rewind and go over that again because there's so many little things that Alicia has said there. actually while we're on this point go for it i will and i've always done this look for talent inside the wbff wbff is a very unique federation it's a, and it's not a federation it's a corporation we are a commercial entity we are a marketability based center that looks for talent that is literally going to have the ability to go and be marketed by mainstream companies, right? So we we aren't just about getting on stage and double double bicep flexing and most musculars. We're not about that. We're really about modeling. So I have a team that has been proactively given a structure on how to look for and identify in the marketplace people that just look great, people that people that just have a, an X factor or like aesthetically there's something about their beauty or their potential to be on like, you know, on a, you know, a, maybe a television advertisement or maybe a front cover of a magazine, like whatever it is that, that is, you know, screaming marketability or X factor, they will reach out to them and say, Hey, look, we think that you've got great potential. This is what has brought me in, in trouble with coaches in the past because they think that I'm just after targeting their client base and I'm not, 
I literally just send like, well, it's not even, it's not directly me, but it's my team that basically looks after what I'm looking for. And then they'll regroup back in with me. The immediate message that someone gets, and it should be a compliment. I really want people to take this away from this, right? If you're with your coach and you're really happy and you're not looking to move and you're even a pro in another federation, that's fine. Just take it as a compliment. That's all it is. It's not meant to be offensive. It's not meant to be something where it's like, oh, you know, we're trying to steal you off anyone. That's not how it rolls. We're just literally saying we think you're fucking pretty sensational and we think you've got some really great, you know, um, potential in this brand if you're, if you're interested. Yeah. That's it. No more pressure, people. If you yeah. turn around and go, hey, it doesn't float my boat, not interested, or you know what, Ali, I think you're a dick. That's fine too. I'm okay with that. I'll be like, yeah. great, <laughs> no worries. Have fun, good luck, goodbye. And if they say I've got a great coach and I love them, I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. Because you know what? I respect when I see someone say they've got a great relationship with a coach, it makes me then go look the coach up. Because yeah. I have respect for that. Because I don't see it that often, right? So I'm when, when I see that, I, I then have respect for this other coach. What often happens is said coach will go, and this is the dumb part. This is what I don't get. It's like, did you have your breakfast this morning, bro? Did you have your fucking meetings? <laughs> Because this is what they do. They go and they post it and they go, stop trying to get clients. It's like, are you fucking for real? Okay, all right. So you haven't stopped to go, hey, my client brought this to me and they're actually like, they're so, they're so good because they've come to me and gone, hey, this is a compliment, but I'm with you and I'm super happy with you. And, you know, I'm just letting you know this happened because, hey, maybe that's like, we should take this as a compliment that we're looking good, like high five team because yeah, yeah. I'm with you, right? Doesn't the coach think like that? Because that's how I would think. Instead, he's like, oh my God, no, she's trying to take my client. No, bro, you know what? It's really, like, if I really wanted to do that, I'd come at that from a totally different angle and I'm not about that. Yeah, like, yeah. just compliment. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that's what gets me in trouble. I'm happy to share that and set the fucking record straight. And if you get a message from me, maybe take it as a compliment. If you'd like to reach out, then reach out. If you've got a great coach, man, I'm really happy for you because they're really yeah, yeah. hard to get those relationships. And I want you to stay and prosper in that relationship. And you know what? There are a lot of really great coaches out there. There really are. And I'm all about recognizing them. I've got a lot of friends that I will send people to where I'm like, you know what? You need this sort of coach. And they're, they're the right coach for you. I've got a lot of friends that are IFBB pros. IFBB is actually coaches that have the most issues with me, by the way. But anyway, I've got a lot of friends ifbb pros and um i've been with them since we we're all amateurs we all went into pro ranks together and i send clients their way like whenever i get someone that goes look i'm a diehard wannabe ifbb or you know like i want to run certain things i'm like well that's not in my uh, that's not my scope i can't help you so i'm going to send you over here or here or here and yeah. i i refer out this is the thing that i think people also don't realize is that I recognize my lane and my space and I stay in it. Um, yeah. But I also seek out and look for potential and I, I will talent scout. So you got problems with that, you know, and you, you don't know how to take a compliment, mate. Look in the mirror. It says more about you than it does about me because I will never push a situation. I will never be inappropriate or unprofessional and I will never, ever proactively look to take someone off someone. If someone says they're happy, then I'm like, okay, great. You know, I'm really happy for you. We'll, we'll move on. Right. Yeah. Um, and my team would be, very explicit instructions on what to do and how to conduct themselves and anything that escalates to me gets dealt with from me. Um, but you know, I can assure you that a lot of the stuff they like to say is a little fabricated. <laughs> I think maybe they need to wake up and eat their fricking Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> there we For go. Starters. There we go. So <laughs> maybe whatever else they want to have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fair. I mean, you spoke about the WBFF and how you, you do this talent scouting. So maybe that's a good avenue into talking about how amazing WBFF is. <laughs> exactly. T tell us about the difference between it and Fed. You said how you used to be IFBB and now 
you don't like prep anyone for that. So if somebody wants so, WBFF prep, I so I was I, I never did IFBB, and I'm gonna I'm gonna caveat this too, right? I like I said, I've got a lot of girlfriends that went all the way through. I've prepped girls for IFBB many years ago, but I just I don't I don't want to play in a space that's like not my area of expertise, so I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whenever I get one that really wants to specialize in that, I literally refer them to my friends that are coaches in that space, the ones that are not douchebags. Yeah. Um, I, I refer I refer them. <laughs> so, you know, and this and this is the thing. I'm I'm a really big. I'm a very respectful person. I'm a very big believer that IFBB has so many great things about it that make it really awesome for for certain people, right? That just are not built for the WBFF the same way that certain WBFF people could never make it in the IFBB. I can't because I don't have that stupid anatomically ridiculous Barbie doll motherfucking waistline, uh-huh. and I can't. Ne- take out five ribs to get it so (laughs) my point my hip to waist ratio is like a boy i'm a fucking (laughs) ballerina you know like there are a lot of things about the ifbb where i go wow you know if i had had the right body i probably would have pursued it but i just didn't and you know i can put my hand up and say hey you know i'm just not built for that and i can respect the the powerful you know um legacy that the ifbb has and how and how you know successful it's been globally so the difference between me and other people is that i can have that conversation i can give props to something that's not my own whereas i don't hear that very often from the other side about the wbff which is kind of sad because we are very different and we are for a certain type of person and we are nothing like the IFBB, which I think is what makes it lovely because it means you can be two completely different um, centers of excellence for yeah. different reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I recognize both of us pillars for being that. I think that we both have these really beautiful parts to us. And I think you find your home, you know, like you come home to what feels right for you in a, in a legacy or a culture or a body point of view. And you, and you slot into that, you know, I've dominated in my space because I was built for that space and I worked towards it my whole career and I won um, the Miss Australian title in IMBA first and I became the top of a tree in another tree first because I believed that when the tagline in the WBFF, the best of the best was, you know, everything I was holding on to, I truly believed it. And I, to the point where I was like, well, I can't possibly go and hang my hat on that stage and attempt it until I am at the top of something else. And I knew that I would, I just didn't have the IFBB shape. So I just, I didn't even bother, but all my girlfriends did and they've all done exceptionally well. You know, I was, I was at Arnold's twice backstage putting lipstick and tanning girls that are now pros in that federation that went pro there with me as their backstage bitch. You know, I've got no issues with another brand. And I think that we each have our own place, but the differences between you know, the, the classical figures of IFBB and WBFF is that we are just more rounded. We are more fuller. We are, we've got a very healthy modeling sort of look about us. When I say modeling, don't think, you know, cigarettes, champagne and fucking Victoria's yeah. Secret rum, you know, <laughs> like all over in the wind. We're not like that. It's, um, it's just what I mean by that is we're not stupid, vascularly, granularly dry. And we're not like, um, we're very curvy and full body, lower body. We're not focused only on like a hamstring and a small waist. Like we're a whole body emphasis and we're also very big emphasis on your overall look. So your marketability and beauty 
the ability to runway model because we don't actually do the poses like you do an IFBB. We actually legitimately runway model like a Victoria's Secret model would with muscles. Way sexier. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, as you can tell, man, that's nothing like IFBB, right? Yeah. So for someone that doesn't want to do that real expression at style um, movement on a stage, then, you know, WFF is not going to be for you. But if you want mainstream opportunities commercial opportunities in in you know marketing and um to do stuff that you know like we get our girls are on the wwe our girls are on you know um as bad as it sounds we're on all sorts of covers including playboy but yeah. we're on you we're involved in reality television programs like we do all sorts of stuff that is mainstream entertainment yeah. so think entertainment right that's what we are we're not just bodybuilding and we're in fact not bodybuilding we're not even allowed to classify ourselves as bodybuilding we are fitness models and we're not even allowed to use the bb word at all okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so that's the difference with us so you know that's why i'm saying to you there are so many differences so again now when you loop back to the fact that when i'm talent scouting i'm looking for something very different right yeah i'm not looking for a body i'm looking for a whole package so really understand that it is a big compliment if i if i tap you on a shoulder or i have a comment with you where i'm like hey have you ever considered it? you should because you're beautiful or you're a really handsome dude that could look really great on a stage i'm giving you the biggest compliment that i know how to give you because i'm looking at you from head to toe it's a totally yeah, yeah. different feel right so the wbff really does have these idiosyncrasies about it that make it special um it very much though is like a big family too. Like there, we you don't have people backstage. There are no helpers. You literally are thrown into a group with all these other women, and you just make these great friends. Like my very first ever pro show, I went backstage, and at the time, like I was one of maybe five Australian pros because it had only just come to Australia. So I'm like one of the original pros, right? Like the very first diehard pros. Um, I went backstage and I just got adopted by all the British family. So my, some of my absolute best friends in this industry, my longest standing friends, which is seven years deep now, um, they're not even in my own country. <laughs> like, and this is what I love. Like, honestly, the WBFF has instilled in the way that it's set up its structure the the whole focus is about creating lifelong friends and about creating these you know um really deep connections that you just take forever you know long after you even stop competing we're still part of it you're going to see all these old pros that are backstage really recognizable names names you respect names you probably had on posters on your wall and they're backstage helping you get ready and lining up to get on stage like yeah. this is the kind of vibe we have like it's awesome it's so much fun and That's it's pretty cool incredibly warm and inviting like yeah. it's it's great and like i said it's it's not for everyone and that's fine but you know i'm i'm i definitely think that it it opens up a lot more doors yeah. for you if you want to have a career or a pursuit in anything to do with you know interaction online entertainment anything to do with you know fitness a career that is quite profiled then you know you're definitely going to have that i think you know ifbb you also have the opportunity to be quite profiled and you also have probably way more money up for stakes if you're looking at prize money however you really get to that point when you get to a certain number in the ranks right and that might take you quite a long time you know like who knows i don't know but i know that the guys at the top work really hard for a really long time to get there. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying we don't, cause we do. It took me three years to start winning anything. Um, 
but it's just, I think a little different, like along the way, I wasn't at the top yet, but I had heaps of opportunity and I did all these different, like I was, I was a published writer in four international magazines. I was on an expert panel for two international associations. I was doing guest speaking. I was doing roadshow workshops. I was on a, I got, I got onto a reality television um, TV program in the States that I turned down um, because it just conflicted with my schedule here. So, you know, like and all that was happening before I even won anything, if that makes sense. So whilst you might not win something straight away and you might still take the same time as another brand, there's just other opportunities that kind of open up because of the nature of what we are. So for anyone listening, that's, I think the difference, that's the point of difference. That's probably the, um, you know, um, value proposition that I think as a brand WBFF brings. Yeah. Perfect. And I've always said like the two biggest international I wouldn't call them bodybuilding shows, but obviously now I know that these aren't bodybuilders in the terms, but it's WBFF, really, you know what I mean? It's like, if you want to compete internationally, it's one of those two. And if you maybe want a a bodybuilding style show, like in Europe, PCM maybe, but that's not quite as big worldwide. So if you want to do the shows in LA or the Bahamas and all these mad locations that you guys do, like the WBFF, and if you're into that more modeling look and you want to go down that route, that's that I've always said that. So um, it's good that we've highlighted that because some people might, like I've got clients who maybe want to do both. They compete at the minute in IFBB, and I've got at least two girls who said, I, I want to do one like at some stage. So we're, we're toying with the idea of doing two of them in the one year and just seeing which one to fit more into. You can, you can. And, and you know, for anyone that's listening to this, there might be coaching girls that doesn't come from the WBFF. I work in conjunction with coaches. So because it is just such a very unique space, you really do need the insight into what we look for, how to change the physique, the different level of conditioning from IFBB to WBF because it's very different. The different, um, you know, how to even select your divisions. You know, reach out to me because I'm more than happy to help people. This is the thing. Like, this is actually what I do worldwide. I will work with people that do not know the brand with their clients let them manage their client. I'll just help you guys guide you toward how to best fit that to the stage. Right. Because I want to see anyone that comes to the WBFF have a really good experience. So I don't give a shit if it's with another coach. I just want to make sure that you're both equipped with the knowledge to make their experience with their first ever debut with the WBFF as good as it should be. Yeah. Because if you're not prepping them and they're going in with an IFBB like mindset, they're not going to have a great experience at all. They really need to understand the differences and then dress for the different location physically, you know, um, I think mentally, but also then aesthetically, like the way we turn up to registration is like you just rocked out onto an Oscar red carpet. So it's very different. You don't turn up in your flip flops and your fucking Jantana and expect to pick up a number. doesn't work that way. So this is where I think you need to be schooled across it. So, you know, like when it comes time for your girls, let me know and I'll help you and I'll help guide the girls on suit selection, where to go, what to have ready days. that got to be ready. What, what, you know, what to expect at registration. You know, I'll help you with all that because I think I really want you girls to have the ultimate WBFF experience and not to have like a substandard one just because they didn't know and to walk in and feel awkward because we're like this one big family and they walk in feeling like an outsider i i hate that whenever i'm at a show and i see someone and i can always tell i can always tell i always spot them from a mile away a girl that's walked in i can tell she's beautiful she's done another show she's got great conditioning she's here usually with their coach i'll always walk up and introduce myself to them their coach i'll always be like you know guys 
What have you done previously? Have you ever been to a show? Have you ever competed here before? Because I can kind of tell that you haven't. And, yeah, and if yeah. I'm noticing that, and I'm not on the judging panel, I can't because I always have the most clients. So I don't. But if I'm noticing that and I'm not on the judging panel, guess what? It's going to go against them. So I've been known to do this. And this, you know what? For all the coaches who want to diss me, fucking sit and listen to this. I'm known <laughs> for doing this. This is what I do. I'll be in a gym at the peak week and I'll notice said person and I'll be like, you look amazing. Like whatever, whatever category you're doing, I think you'll do really well. What's, where's your coach? Grab their coach. And I'm like, I, I can tell you both don't come from here. I can tell you're not from around here. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and then I, first thing I say is what have you done for posing? What does your posing look like? Because if your posing's good, you could potentially be a top three, if not win this. There's been three occasions where other coaches and their clients have come to my fucking room at 12 o'clock the night before the show. I've fixed their posing. They've gone on one and gone pro. So for everyone that wants to say I'm terrible, person, <laughs> <laughs> you can sit down your pipe and smoke it for all I care. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm known for doing. And that's, that's the kind of person I am because I don't give a shit. I just want them to have a really good experience. Right. And if I can yeah. see someone has the potential to do so, I want to help them. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive, man. And it is something that, that we spoke about last week. You were like, Oh, you're only going to come to the WFF. And I was like, man, I don't even know what division I would be. I'll about. help you. So like we, we had a chat and you were like, oh, well, you would be this division. I was like, right, who would I know? Who's the champ? And you sent me a name and I went and looked him up. And I was like, that's, that's, like, that's interesting. And it shows you are used to doing this. The fact that you just yeah. had a conversation, you were like, so what about you? Are you going to do FAB or are you going to come to us? And I was like, oh, I don't even know. And you're like, let me, let me tell you what, what the look is. And then like. So, when you do, we're going to do this. And this. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it is. It's very true. And I've got a lot of clients too that I always say, do both. Like if you don't know where you sit and you're brand new and everything, I encourage my clients to do other stuff as well. So then they find their home. I think yeah. you're doing a disservice to your people if you do not let them spread their wings and find their own place in the world, right? I think that that is a really a really insecure person that coaches their people like that. You know, I think I think you really need to let them have the ability to express themselves and work out what feels right. Yeah. I really do. And then for me, if that has in fact in, in the past, and this has happened, I've had one of my athletes has gone on to become a junior champion in IFBB, but I let her go. I actually referred her on to one of my friend coaches and said, Hey, look, you know what? I've got a champion. I could keep building her, but you know, like I don't come from IFBB and a lot of them just have an issue with me. So maybe she's better go with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she did. Now she's a champion. So my point there being is, yeah, like do what's right for your client, not what, not, not what serves you. Yeah. Um, and I think some people have, have a hard time doing what's right for the client sometimes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think, you know, you know, I think it's healthy to look at all options. And I think for you, you definitely need to come and have a party with us and have a bit of a red carpet soiree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a bit of fun. That's it. Get, get, my, get my suit on and have a, have a little bit of a party. That's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> only time of the year that you'll ever see me actually in a gown and a crown and heels with makeup on like what yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. not swearing <laughs> yeah fair enough on your best a lot of times, you know, welcome to the alley <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool um so we did have a lot of other stuff we wanted to talk about but we might need to see about an hour and a half of your time so um i think that's there's a lot in there in terms of mindset of a champion in terms of um, how you went from a, a back injury to back back on the podium, 
um, how you sort of deal with negative criticism and how you just sort of focus in your lane, you keep your blinkers on. And a lot, a lot as well about, you know, the WBFF and what it is and sort of mm. what people might look for in that federation. So this is going to be massively beneficial for people. Um, well, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. So we'll, we'll have to probably get you on for number two because we were Thank going to talk you. about your prep, but we'll, we'll do round yes. two. If people like this and you enjoy having Ali on and you want to see round two, which is going to be talking about the prep of a world champion, Hit us up, give us some feedback. Um, if you're listening to this, guys, and you um, you like what it is, just take a screenshot, tag us both, and we'll share it. And if we get enough love, we'll get her back on in the next couple of weeks, and we'll uh, we'll speak about that. Yeah, that'll actually be pretty exciting because um, I have been looking at prep in a very different way. So there's a lot we could cover in the scope of what my actual prep looks like, the way that I'm actually approaching it, my even my nutritional structure that looks different to last prep and the different application of how I'm training too because I'm modifying everything in an ISO backyard gym, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very different. Yeah. And, um, and I'm happy to share all that with you. So would love to come back if everyone wants to have me and, uh, you know, talk some more smack with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the old show is going to be the smack talk show. I know, I know what your final question is. All you really want to know is when am I coming to Perth for coffee and cake? That's what I was just about <laughs> to ask for because we talked before when we hey. done this thing and I spoke about you coming well, over. So when are you coming? I will be coming. I will be coming. We're setting up. We're setting up. I know I've got a whole bunch of seminars I'm setting up with Pios, Jackson Pios. So yeah. he's a man, local man. I will be coming yeah. over there yet again. And I love Perth people. So... I will be down to come over there. As soon yeah, as they but, like out of my front house, out of my front yard, out of my front door even. Yeah. For argument's sake. Like, God, come on, Corona, go away already. <laughs> so we'll get we'll get it booked and then whenever whenever you've got those seminar dates, let me know and I'll pump them out on my social media as well. And we can um we can get get people there so they can see you in person and talk to you about everything that we have have covered here in terms of the WBFF. So guys, remember awesome. if you did like this, get sure in. Tag us both so we know you want the second one. I will maybe hook up a date in the next two weeks and we'll get round two about Alicia's prep in ISO, which is going to be, yeah. uh, it's going to be a big one. So guys, this has been the O Show. We have had Alicia Gowans on and uh, stay tuned for more, but we'll see you next time in the next couple of weeks, Alicia. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, O. Thanks for listening to The O Show. I have been your host, Oren Macari, and if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it on your social media or give us a review on iTunes. I can't wait to see you on the next episode to dive deeper into topics and guests that will supercharge your efforts in the gym, the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. See you soon.